you have your Bibles, with you this morning will be in the book of Luke, book of Luke chapter 9. Whenever you get to Luke chapter 9, if you would please stand and reverence for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Luke chapter 9. You may have to flip this pretty long chapter, verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Luke 9, 57, the Word of God says this, And it came to pass that as they went in the the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. He said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my, at my home, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We thank you for the spirit that's already here. We uh, thank you for the Sunday school hour and the singing. And Lord, Father, I just pray. Uh, that you would help us with the scriptures that you've given us this morning. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for the impression that you've given us this week. And, Lord, I thank you for the ones that had a desire to come out to your house and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. amen. We want to take some time, uh, not, not, not a whole lot of time in this particular piece of scripture, but uh, I, I just seen fitting that the Lord was showing me that this is where we need to start. Uh, uh, we see in the scriptures here Jesus calling and talking uh, uh, to three different people. And these three different people, uh, I like the first one, he was all gung-ho and buckaroo. Uh, he was uh, uh, ready to go. He said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Uh, now a lot of us today, when we, uh, when we have an experience with Jesus, we, uh, we have a dealing with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, we say to ourselves, well, I, I'll do anything that God asks me to do. And uh, a lot of times uh, we think that in our minds. Uh, a lot of times I think that, you know, I would do whatever I need to do to serve the Lord. And a lot of times, uh, uh, just as it is in the scripture, uh, that's not 100% true. Uh, uh, we'll do so much a lot of times in our lives. Uh, we'll go so many steps, uh, Brother Dwayne, uh, uh, before the next step, uh, hey, God's got to be in control. We stop and say, hey, uh, Lord, you got to take the next step for me because I can't go any further. Further, and these these three different people, they had excuses. Uh, uh, the next one says, uh, Jesus called him to him and said, follow me. And he said, oh, I, I need to bury my father. Then the next one you see, he goes to him and says, let the, uh, these different things go on and I will follow thee. But let me go first bid them farewell. I need to tell everybody, buy at my house. Uh, we see three different people uh, give three different excuses. Uh, the first one didn't have to give an excuse. Uh, we just realized what after Jesus said, what he said, uh, he was a little afraid to follow Jesus. Uh, he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Uh, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. Uh, what we do today as Christians is uh, we get to a certain point uh, and we say, phooey. Uh, we get to a certain point and we say, we can't go any further. Lord, I, I can't go overseas and be missionaries. Uh, Lord, I can't go knock on doors in, in this community. Uh, Lord, I can't go to an altar of repentance. Uh, I've already been saved. Lord, I, I can't do certain things. Uh, and now there's three different points uh, uh, that we're going to try to look at today and try to focus on 
going. But this verse 62 here, this verse 62 really stuck out. Now, I, I read the other verses because they tied together to it. But verse 62 is where the meat and taters is at in the message today. Verse 62 says, And Jesus said to them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No man having put his hand to the plow. Now I, I think about a, you know, I, most of us today have not put our hands to the plow. I started thinking about old Garfield. He started telling me, well, he's told me so many stories over the years about plowing and working them old farms and, and putting cows together and doing wonderful things. And as soon as I read that verse, I started thinking about old Garfield having his old hand, that old plow back in the day. And he ain't got to work no plow no more. He's just going easy now. Everything's going good. Uh, uh, he, he's got a life that's so much easier than he ever could have thought of having here. Uh, but I started to think about this, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back. Now, I, I want you to understand, if you've never uh, drove a plow with oxen, and guess what? Uh, your preacher ain't neither, but I can understand how it works. Uh, I want you to think about plowing an oxen in an old field. Uh, are you out there plowing the oxen? Uh, what you normally need to do, if you've ever uh, worked on a tractor or, or drove through a certain field cutting hay or, or planting or anything like that, normally you look out in the distance uh, you maybe pick a tree out in the distance. Uh, uh, you pick something out in the distance that you aim for. And while you're driving that oxen, while you're driving the tractor, while you're doing whatever, you focus and you look right at that thing. You drive right towards it. Now, when you're driving a car down the highway, it's no different. Uh, I, I have more crazy kids. I'm not going to turn around and start trying to slap some kids around or get in some trouble with some kids in the back. I done swerved all over the road. Kim has done got mad screaming. Watch the road, Zach. We need to watch where we're going. But you think about plowing that old field. What happens when you plow the field and you look back? Your, what you're planning becomes crooked. What you're plowing becomes a little off. What you're plowing becomes a smaller harvest. What you're plowing becomes less. Every time you make a crooked turn or mess up, guess what you've got to do on the next row? You've got to do the same thing. When you come back and you go right next to it, you've got to keep going around that same thing, keep that same pattern, or you'll lose that whole little section. And what happens a lot of times is you just have to go straight on the next pass and you lose it. We lose it as a church. We lose it as Christians. When we put our hands to the plow, when we start working for Jesus Christ, and we turn around and we look back to the old life, when we turn around and we look back to the old ways, when we turn back and we think about the old ways that we've done things, we get off course and we lose fruit. We lose harvest. We lose what the church should have been able to accomplish, but we were too busy turning around. Well, I, I'm saying, Brother Dwayne, I ain't but 31 years old, and it, it just it gets under my skin. I don't know if it gets under your skin. I don't know if it gets under anybody else's skin. But I, I, I love to talk about things going on that we can do. And somebody says, well, uh, back in 1965, we baptized 45 people in the church once one revival. You know what, Brother Dwayne, that's wonderful, but it ain't 1965 no more. Ain't no sense in turning back talking about revival happening in 1992. Uh, the, the revival happened in 1992. It's gone, and it's over with. Uh, uh, this may be a lot of the same people that was there, but guess Guess what? Uh, this is a different field. Uh, this is a new plow, and we don't need to look back. Boy, that hurts some people's feelings. That's all right. What does that mean? Don't look back. Now, when you get saved by God's grace, when you get truly saved, you put your hand to a plow. You put your hand on something that is hard work. I'm telling you, church, there's nothing harder than being a true Christian and being dedicated. There's not. 
I can testify to that all day long on being a Christian and being dedicated is hard work. You go back to the Great Commission, and that's what we're doing this morning. We're finishing the Great Commission. I ain't never been the type, Brother Dwayne, I've been saying that for about two or three months now. I ain't no serious preaching preacher, but I've been stuck on a preaching through things here lately. Uh, so we got to just go ahead and do it. Uh, we preach go. Uh, why are we waiting to go out in the community? Uh, we preach make disciples. Uh, we need to go out and teach them and show them the way. But the third part of the Great Commission. Uh, hey, people want to skip over that part. It says baptize. I ain't going to skip over it this morning. It says baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's what it says in the Great Commission. To go out, to make disciples, teaching them in all customs, and then to baptize. Now, Zach, are you saying well, we got to go up and fill up this baptistry and compel people to come and get baptized? No. I'm going to go ahead and tell you uh, that old water ain't got nothing uh, wonderful spiritual about it. Uh, the water ain't going to save you. I don't care what kind of a denomination hoo-ha uh, somebody wants to spill on you. Hey, the water is a symbolic outside expression of an inward change. That's what the baptism shows. It shows an outside change showing an inside change. Ain't that good? It shows outside to the world that you've become a different person. And Now when you put that old hand to the plow, uh, I want you to realize uh, you're supposed to look like a different person. Hey, when he puts his hand to the plow and he looks back, I want you to realize, well, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, we find a story of somebody with their hand to the plow. I want you to know right now, I don't care if you lost, if you saved this morning, right now, I don't care which one you are, you've got your hand to a plow. You either plowing for the devil or you're plowing uh, for Jesus Christ. That's one or the other. Are you working for Satan or you're working for God? Uh, which one are you this morning? Are we working for Satan or are we working for God? I'm going to tell you, Christians, uh, a lot of you got your hand on two plows. Uh, are you trying to plow two different places? Uh, are you trying to work for Satan and work for God? Or work for yourself in the world or work for God? I want you to know that doesn't work. It goes on to say this. In chapter 19, verse 19 of 1 Kings, it says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Now there's a lot that happens in that verse. Uh, first of all, a lot of people read that, and I, I have a little different opinion. They say he is plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. I want you to know, uh, back in this time frame, that was impossible. Uh, people couldn't line up 12 yoke of oxen to plow. He said, well, if God was with him, no, that isn't how it works. What happens was, is Elisha's family was very well off. Uh, they were very rich. Having 12 yoke of oxen work in, the, work in the gardens was the symbolism that he was very wealthy. He had plenty going for him. And what does it mean when it goes on and says, uh, who was plowing with the 12 yokes of oxen before him? Uh, he was with the 12. So he was with part of the group. Uh, there was 12 different uh, people plowing the fields, and he was one of them. He had his yoke of oxen uh, plowing with the field. And passed by him, and in the verse, it says he cast his mantle upon him. Now, if you understand casting of a mantle, when you cast your mantle upon somebody, especially this Old Testament, this Hebrew custom, uh, that was a symbolism of an adoption. It says, I accept you for who you are. I, I, I love who you are. Now, understand this. Elijah had a school for blessed ministers of the faith. Did y'all know that? 
Elijah had it all low seminary school. He did. You can go back and read it all you want to. You'll, you'll read about them having an iron that swam. Uh, that was when they was in the middle of building that school. Uh, and then people got together. They said, there ain't enough room. We need to build a building uh, specifically for these ministers uh, that are trying to train uh, to be ministers for the Lord. Now, he didn't call any ministers in his school, if you realize. He went out to the field uh, and he called a man that was <laughs> a plowing with two uh, oxen. He was plowing behind the yoke. Uh, he was out they're working. Now I'd like you to know that a lot of us have a worldly callings. A lot of us have a spiritual callings. We have both. Don't ever think for one second that your worldly calling is more important than your spiritual calling. Don't ever think that. Now we see that with Elisha. And if you... <laughs> I could preach Elisha all day long. I love reading, studying and preaching about Elijah and Elisha. I, I believe we could preach the whole coming year just on Elisha and Elijah and the miracles that they performed, the, the awesomeness of God with them. Uh, but you see something in the next verse, and he says he left the oxen. He left the oxen? Y'all realize that was his livelihood? Do y'all realize that he had his hand to the plow? Uh, just as we see it in the, in the New Testament, uh, that we just read in Luke chapter 9, he had his hand to the plow, and when he seen Elijah, he had the mantle cast upon him, he said, Pooh, there's no sense in doing this. He left the oxen, and what does it say that he did? He left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow thee. Now think about this. In the New Testament, those people were making excuses just for, just for Jesus just to hang on a minute. Elisha made an excuse, but you know what the difference was, Brother Dwayne? Elisha truly meant what he said. Hey, the people in the New Testament, and people right there, hey, the people today, boy, they try to make excuses just to try to get away from serving the Lord. I'll tell you, there's a gun that I want, Brother Dwayne. There's a gun. Hey, it may, it may offend y'all, that's fine. There's a gun that I want. I've been looking at it for a year and a half. I just, every time I go into a gun store, it's not real often, but uh, this, this past Black Friday, I went with Kimberly's dad to a gun store. And, uh, we went in there, and uh, I walked by the case, and I seen that brand that I like, you know. And I go ahead and say this, a Ruger SR 1911. Anybody want to write that down, you know, and get me that for Christmas? That'd be great. Ruger SR 1911, I was looking for that, and I didn't see it in the case. And the guy walked over there, and you know, I just tried to get rid of him because I didn't see it. You know what I said? I'm looking for a Ruger SR uh, 1911. You got one of them? Oh, yeah, I got one of them. He pulls it out. I said, man, he pulled out the gun that I like. Why did he have to do that? And then he put it on the counter. He made me hold it. I didn't like that neither. Hey, I'd seen the price tag, Brother Dwayne, and oh, man, it ain't changed in a year and a half. I was hoping it would go on sale at some point. And I looked at that gun and I... I was looking at it for a minute and I handed it back to him. You know what I did, Brother Dwayne? I said, I'll look around a little bit and I'll be back. You know what that meant? Ain't none of y'all been shopping before? That means I ain't buying that gun. <laughs> Did y'all hear me? That meant I wasn't even interested. I tried to make up an excuse. How many of you went by buying a car? Hey, when you go to the car lot, they got people that come out and they try to sell you a car. Hey, my thing is, oh, I ain't really interested. Even though I needed a car right then, no, I don't really need one. I really wanted that good. As soon as I had it to me, I said, whoo, I really like that. Whoa, I, mm, if I could just get rid of that. Well, that's a lot of groceries. <laughs> Let me hand that back to you. I really do like that right there. But I made up an excuse. That wasn't an excuse that I ever planned on filling. 
I never, even after I added it back to, yeah. And he even asked us, you want me to keep it right here on the counter? Yeah, yeah, you keep it right there on the counter. I'll be back. I'll look around. I snuck out the door as soon as he wasn't looking. I couldn't buy that gun. I wanted it so bad. But you know what? People drink, people treat serving Jesus the same way. Hey, the pastor will come to you. Deacon will come to you. Sunday school teacher will come to you. And they'll say, hey, and they'll bring this thing to you that you should enjoy, that you would love. And I'm just using the gun as an example. Each one of you might have things that you want to buy, a car, a boat, or whatever, a house. And you look at it and you say, whoa, I really, I really want that. And then you'll make up any little excuse to get out of it because you done decided there's no way that I'll be able to do it, no way I can buy it. No way I can do that thing. Hey, the church house today, we've got things to do. And there's no sense in making excuses. When Elisha made an excuse, he meant he was coming back. I go ahead and tell you when I say I'm coming back at the gun counter. I might not be coming back. Because that sticker price done shocked me. Today, we have to serve the Lord. He said, let me go. Let me kiss my father and my mother. And he said unto him, go back again. What ha- for what have I done unto thee? In verse 21, he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen. What is, we need to look at this, folks. Verse 21, and he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. What does that mean? Why did he kill his, his oxen? The symbolic nature of him showing to the world that he wasn't going back. He was a very wealthy man. And you'd like to say, well, he, he could have been a slave working on a farm. Slave ain't got no right to kill the oxen and feed it to a bunch of people. He was part of the family of the ownerships of this farm. He was very wealthy. He had all that he ever wanted. He was out there working, probably just waiting for the inheritance, waiting to take over everything. But when God showed up with the, through Elijah, I don't need any of this anymore. He left everything. And by the symbolic nature, he took the oxen that he was working with. He took his bread and brother, his livelihood, uh, how he made a living. And he killed it and he fed it to everybody else. He said, Lord, use me. How many of us right now would be comfortable in going and saying, Lord, use me. Beyond anything that I have, Lord, I don't care about anything that I have. Just use me. I want you to know that's baptism. That's baptism. You say, Zach, no, he's, a, uh, he's saying there in the Great Commission to uh, literally dunk them in water. Yeah, I, I 100% agree that he's telling him to dunk them in that water. Uh, baptizo, hey, we've talked about that before, a full submersion in that old water. But I believe this, the, the true shof uh, that comes forth from baptism is an outward change. Uh, hey, the water may make you look wet when you come out of it, but when you step out of the water, once you've received Christ, you should act different. Uh, you should speak different. Differently. You should become a different person. You should change. You don't think Elisha changed at this point? Elisha said, I don't need any of this anymore. Elijah threw that old mantle on him and said, I'll adopt you, I'll take you. He gave unto the people and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. My goodness. How much he gave up so that he could serve the Lord. How much he stepped away from. What that, what that shows us is true change. Change. I want to ask you this, church. Have we seen change in the church? Have we seen change in our community? Have we seen change uh, because this church is here? Go 
Make disciples, baptize. See change. Show people how to live a life. Teach people how to live a life. And then you should see change. Oh, those, those three parts of the Great Commission there. To go, to make disciples, and to baptize. Baptize meaning to see change, to have an outward expression of an inward change. I, I'm glad today that there was an inward change in me, Brother Dwayne, and there was an outward change too. Uh, I became somebody uh, that spoke a little differently eventually, and that took a long time uh, for the Lord to beat me up and to chase me around my old house. Uh, uh, but I'm glad that one day I came to this old church, and, and, and God blessed me to work through me. He, he blessed me. Y'all don't know who I sat behind either probably. I know who I sat behind. You know who I sat behind? Garfield Daniel. I came to this church and he turned around and every day he had a smile on his face. He'd always talk to me. I'd always be happy. I always just... He beat me to church every day. I, I thought about him this week. Well, he was just... And he was just the perfect moment. He was what I needed. He was a monument standing over there, a perfect uh, peak, uh, 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 somebody to speak to me and show me love and kindness. Right there in front of me, he turned around and loved on me every day. And I want you to know something. We can't replace Garfield Daniel. We can't. But somebody's got to step up and be that part, be that smiling face. No matter how he felt, except for that last time I saw him, I want you to know he, he had a smile usually on his face. He had a smile on him. I always wanted to talk about his family. I always want to talk about his kids. I always want to talk about the good old days. Talk about him. He's just, if you know Garfield, you're smiling right now. Think about that old smile he had. He was the one right there. He stood in front of me and he, didn't, he, met, he never turned around and said, you need to preach. He didn't ever do that. He didn't turn around and say, Zach, you need to get up on the altar. Nope. He was somebody that turned around and loved me. He was somebody that in his life at some point made a change. He wasn't normal. <laughs> Understand that he wasn't worldly. He wasn't like a lot of people. He was loving. He was somebody that could tell you all these different things and love on you. But I want you to know in the book of Matthew, it says very plainly, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Let's see a change in people. That change that stemmed in me stemmed from somebody sitting right in front of me, somebody sitting right next to me, somebody sitting behind me. There's people in this church right over yonder. Y'all little kids, y'all sitting in a real special spot right there. That's where I used to sit and Garfield turned around and talked to me. Do we have that change in our life? Are we the change in people's life? Are we some kind of light to a community? Are we some kind of light to a lost and dying world? Are we somebody this morning that can make a difference? There was change. Are we change? Are we the one that shows change to this world? Think about that, church. Can we truly look and say, I did everything I could do this morning. I, I did everything in my power to make sure that somebody was welcomed. Somebody was loved on. Somebody was hugged. Somebody was, was told that they, we appreciated Satan. Somebody uh, was felt welcomed. Somebody was uh, served. Somebody was done whatever. Have you seen change? And more importantly, have you changed? I ain't the same man I was before I was saved. I'm not. And I'll say, man, I was a boy when I got saved, 15 years old. I'm not the same person. When Elisha was working that out with that old plow, and Elijah walked by, he felt the presence of God, and he walked by and said, I'll accept you. 
I want you to know it's the same way today. Jesus will accept you. Jesus, no matter what you're in the middle of, He'll accept you. and He wants you to come into His fold. He wants you to just forsake everything and leave all those worldly cares behind and accept Him and love Him. I want you to think about when Jesus called a lot of those disciples. He called 12 men in a row and all those 12 men just, we'll, we'll follow you. Now we just read a, a, a shown out of Luke there, chapter 9, where He was talking to three different men and three different men just, no, I can't, we can't do that. Elijah, when he called Elisha, he left everything that he had. He became baptized. He became different. He had a change in his heart. Church, what kind of change have you had in your heart? What kind of change have we had as a church? What kind of change has entered into your life? As a good verse of some song read this morning. What kind of change do we need as a church? Do we need to see people saved? Do we need to see people baptized? Do we need to see people uh, turn their lives around, rededicate to the Lord? That's all of the above. Do we need to see community being loved on? Yes. Do we need the people to have fellowship with one another? Yes. Well, there's so many pieces of this puzzle. And so many times we miss some certain pieces. Have we seen change? Elisha had a change about him. He was baptized. He was covered up. He was, my goodness, you know the story. He's seen a chariot of fire there at the end taking Elijah up. And he told him, he said, if you see that chariot of fire, I'll give you twofold. I'll give you a double portion. If you really study, you'll find exactly double the amazing things that were accomplished by Elisha than Elijah. You know why he got them? Because he wanted them. He didn't make no excuses and not follow through. He said, let me go kiss my, my family. Let me go tell them I'm going by and I'll follow you. Let's not make excuses this morning on why we can't change. Let's not make excuses this morning why we can't follow a holy God. Let's not make excuses and excuses and excuses that we try to make and, and get out of worshiping God, not have to go to an altar of repentance, not have to cry our eyes out and when we don't really feel like crying, not have to go and, and show somebody that we love them. Can we do that this morning as we stand and sing? What's made you got?